Welcome to the Fear and Greed Business Interview. I'm Sean Aylmer. The property market has had a surprisingly good start to the year. Very high auction clearance rates and prices holding up pretty well. How long will it last? Tim Lawless is the head of research for CoreLogic. In addition to monitoring the market with all of the auction data and more, CoreLogic has put out a report today showing just how big the gap is between house and unit values in Australia. Tim, welcome back to Fear and Greed. Many thanks, Sean. Good to be here, mate. We'll get to your report that's out today in a moment. But firstly, have you been surprised by the strength in the auction market thus far this year? And if so, why? It is surprising, absolutely. So for some context, at the end of last year, we were seeing auction markets quite weak. Uh, Clearance rates were well below average, generally finalising across the major auction markets around the mid 50% range. Uh, The long-term average, by the way, is sort of 66 to 67% would be a typical clearance rate on a 10-year average. Whereas the first three weeks of the auction market this year, the auction market kind of picks up around late January, early February. So we've had three weeks of results coming through and we've seen clearance rates on the early numbers getting back up to the early 80% mark for Sydney, the high 70% mark for Melbourne revising down to sort of the the mid 70% range. So the clearance rate is looking very strong. Uh, auction volume, so the number of auctions being taken to markets also picked up quite a bit, which is normal for this time of the year, but we're definitely seeing a lot more auctions now than at the same time a year ago. So yeah, it's uh, it's been a strong start to the year and I'd probably put that down at least partially to this what looks to be a renewed level of confidence emerging on the back of uh, lower than expected inflation. We're now seeing a lot more forecasts that interest rates might come down a bit earlier than first thought. And that does seem to be flowing through to this renewed level of exuberance in, uh, in housing sentiment. It's interesting, and you've said this a few times over recent weeks, actually demand and supply are matching. So we talk about this often about our interest rates might be coming off, people are getting more excited, et cetera. But at the end of the day, you need a seller and you need a buyer and they need to agree on a price. You just explain that concept where you're actually having the two sides kind of meeting in the middle more. Yeah, that's exactly what an auction is. And it's one of the reasons why it's one of the most followed metrics, uh, especially in markets like Sydney and Melbourne that have a real auction culture. In markets like Perth, as a completely different example, you see maybe 2 to 5% of properties are taken to auction. Most homes sell by private treaty. But in Sydney and Melbourne, Canberra is also a good example. You generally see more than a third of properties are taken to auction. And it's a really good measure of the fit between buyer and seller pricing expectations. When clearance rates are low, it generally means that vendors are expecting to get more for their properties than what buyers are willing to pay. And when clearance rates are high, it's the opposite. And we also see a really close correlation between auction clearance rates and housing value growth trends as well. So chances are, as we see clearance rates bouncing back like they have, it's probably going to be accompanied by a bounce back to some extent in the rate of growth in housing values, which was clearly easing towards the end of last year. You just said something then which I hadn't thought much about. If supply and demand are more likely to be matching as seen through high auction clearance rates, house prices probably tend to do better. What's that mean for the rest of this year? Well, most forecasts were already for house prices to rise through 2024, just probably not at the same sort of pace as what they did last year. 
So last year at a fairly macro view, we saw capital city housing values rise by about 9%. And most forecasters have capital city values up somewhere between about 5 and 6% this year. So we might start to see some of those forecasts revising a little bit higher. Now that we're finally starting to see what looks to be the early signs of a, of a rise in consumer sentiment, still fairly pessimistic, but, but at least a lift off um, the, the deeply pessimistic levels we've seen over the past two years, that could translate into more housing activity, which could place some renewed upwards pressure on housing prices. So it's definitely one to keep an eye on. The other trend, I guess, in values is, of course, a massive amount of diversity. You've got markets like Perth, Brisbane, Adelaide, all continuing to track more than 1% higher month on month. The real slowdown from sort of the middle of last year was in Sydney and Melbourne, Hobart, Canberra, where each of those markets have stabilized. So that's where we could start to see a bit of a bounce back in the rate of growth. Stay with me, Tim. We'll be back in a minute. My guest this morning is Tim Lawless, Head of Research for CoreLogic. You've got a report out today, and the bottom line in that is that the disparity between average house prices and average unit prices in the big cities has widened incredibly. It's widened massively, absolutely. And uh, the simple reason being that house values have continued to rise much more than unit values. So to give you an idea of what that looks like, again, I'll use some pretty macro numbers here and then maybe use Sydney as an example. So across the combined capitals since the start of the pandemic back in March of 2020, we've seen house values on our combined capitals index have risen by a little bit more than a third. They're up 33.9% or in dollar terms, that's roughly an increase of about $240,000 to the median uh, value of a house. Unit values, on the other hand, have only increased by about 11%. They're up about $65,000. So it's no surprise. Like Houses are always more expensive than units unless you're looking at a really you know, high-end boutique unit development. But that gap has widened. If you look at where it was, again, I'll just use the, the beginning of the pandemic as a, as a benchmark, uh, the gap back then across the combined capitals was about 17%, just a little bit less than 17%. Now it's 45%. We can go to a market like Sydney, the gap back in early um, March was about 33%. Now it's nearly 70%, wow. 68.4%. It's a, it's a gap of about $570,000 in Sydney between a house and a unit. So, yeah, it's extraordinary. Australians seem to be very prepared to pay an ongoing and upwards premium to live in a detached home Maybe that's just uh, talking to the scarcity value of houses or the fact that we still want to want to live in an area that has more space. It, it surprises me because intuitively when we had a an influx of migrants, particularly students, I don't know many students who kind of have the white picket fence, mostly they're living in apartments and units and that type of thing. Also, as we have more migrants into the country, you would think that they would be going for cheaper housing simply because they can't afford more expensive housing it kind of doesn't make sense intuitively. Yeah, it's a real juxtaposition here in the sense that we're in this affordability crisis, yet we've seen a growing gap between house and unit values. And this premium for houses just gets keep, keeps on getting larger. Back to your sort of analogy there of, of more students and so forth coming in, like overseas migration absolutely does drive housing demand, but it tends to drive rental demand, at least initially, and then gradually flows through to purchasing demand. So I think that kind of helps to explain the fact that we haven't seen as much growth in unit values in the sense that 
a large part of this housing upswing has been driven by domestic demand, where Australians still seem to have this love affair with uh, with space, with the great Australian dream, as, as we, we still call it, I suppose. But you'd have to think with affordability being what it is and getting worse, there is going to be some deflection of demand towards that medium to high density sector, maybe not out of preference, but simply out of where prospective buyers' budgets will take them. So on that basis, do you think uh, units potentially, uh, in a valuation sense, they're cheaper than they were relative to houses, obviously, potentially there's opportunity in units uh, I get, you know, location, location, location. So we are certainly not an investing podcast. We're not suggesting run out and buy a unit here. But just on a valuation basis, there must be some opportunities. It is looking like this sector of the marketplace is undervalued. Absolutely. At least compared to uh, to house values. But also you look at another benchmark of value, which is the yield. Rental yields for apartments remain substantially higher than what they are for houses. So maybe that's another benchmark there. But uh, I think going forward, you know, historically, we know that houses have generally shown a much stronger growth rate than units. That's probably the underlying land component that's driving the value higher. But I wouldn't be surprised amid worsening affordability pressures, we do start to see the unit sector at the very least performing in parallel or maybe outperforming houses to some extent as we see that demand deflection taking place. Tim Lawless from CoreLogic, you are becoming the godfather of the Australian property industry, whether you like it or not. Do you just love property? I'm just interested. Like you are so heavily involved in the data and the research around it. You must like the asset class. I haven't heard that term before, the godfather. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Sean. It's a, nice. <laughs> I think that's a compliment. But yeah, absolutely. I do love property and uh, I never intended on being a property analyst, to be honest. Uh, it kind of just uh, just happened. But every day is different. And you've got, to, you've got to admit, being in Australia where we have this uh, ongoing love affair with, with property, there's a lot of interest in this sector, which um, certainly keeps me in a job, which is, <laughs> which is a good thing. Tim, thank you for talking to Fear and Greed. Thanks, Sean. Absolute pleasure. That was Tim Lawless, Head of Research for CoreLogic. This is the Fear and Greed Daily Interview. Join us every morning for the full episode of Fear and Greed, Australia's most popular business podcast. I'm Sean Aylmer. Enjoy your day.